Tracy and Emily are smart lovable sisters who really love Lucifer for the plot. Yeah, the plot, which they overthink. Hi. Hi. And hi to all of you. <laughs> I'm here with my sister, Emily Guy Birkin. She does not use a hyphen. And I'm here with my sister, Tracy Guy Decker, who does use a hyphen. And together we are doing Lightbringers, which is a show in which we illuminate the deeper meaning of the crime solving devil TV show. And yes, we are overthinking it so much, totally overthinking it to the point where we have a list today. Yeah. These two oh, episodes. So today we're chock full. It's, it's like so much. I don't want to forget anything. So today we're mm-hmm. talking about two eleven and two twelve. Two eleven and two twelve. Mm-hmm. Stewardess interruptus and love handles. And going to resist the urge to go straight to the sexy scene (laughs) and talk about stewardess interruptus first 212 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in this episode like it starts directly where the last episode ended and they're having a moment which they call a moment but it gets interrupted by a stewardess hence the title And then it forces Chloe to rethink the direction she was going with Lucifer. And it forces Lucifer to really think about like who he is and, and whether or not he's boyfriend material as he puts Mm -hmm, it. Right. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to start with that question. Actually, is he boyfriend material? Which Lucifer poses to his brother, Mm Amenadiel. And when you and I talked about it offline, like I was approaching this as like, was this a manipulative move on Amenadiel's part? Cause we just saw Amenadiel and the goddess talking about how they want to push Chloe and Lucifer together mm-hmm. since Chloe, since they've realized that Chloe is a miracle, Chloe's birth was a miracle. And then we see Amenadiel say to Lucifer, you don't ever lie. So, and I've always underestimated you. So ask yourself if your boyfriend material, ask yourself if this is right. And you had a very generous read of that, which I like. You had suggested that that was his way of getting him to kind of tap into his ego because his ego would say like, oh yeah, of course. And I actually like there, there may be some of that in there because he also says you underestimate yourself. So that is the one thing that may not quite fit with my theory, but my theory is that Amenadiel makes it very clear to the goddess that he is uncomfortable with manipulating uh, Lucifer. And she said, that's because you lied to him. He respects the truth. And so I took the way that he responded as a way of trying to get what he wants. I mean, he is, it's, I'm not going to say he's not trying to manipulate, but using the truth in a way so that he does not feel like he is doing something he's uncomfortable with, which is like lying to Lucifer and say, because if the goddess were there, she'd probably say like, oh, of course you are. Even though like, because this is not the sort of thing that she thinks of when you say lie to him, like, you know, in my boyfriend material, she'd be like, oh, well, of course, because you're my wonderful son and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, um, so by turning it to what do you think? Uh, you don't lie to yourself. So ask yourself if you are worthy of Chloe um, is a, I think really good advice, actually, you know, just if, if that, if that was an actual conversation rather than just, you know, some, something that is partially amenadiel trying to uh, uh, manipulate him. Um, and also it gives amenadiel 
this sense that he's able to use what's real to help Lucifer in whatever way it's, it's going to be most helpful. Yeah. So I think your read suggests it was a genuine connection between the yes. two of them and not, yes. and not a manipulative move on Amenadiel's part, which I, yeah. I appreciate. I like that. I, yeah. I want to like Amenadiel. And I think he does become more and more um, sympathetic throughout the mm-hmm. series. Okay. I want to talk about some of the writing. Like, mm-hmm. so there are a couple of things that we see, you know, in our overthinking it where our writers like the joke mm-hmm. where Lucifer says, I will not do X and such, or this thing will not happen. And then it immediately happens immediately like, with like the next beat. Yes. So we saw that a couple episodes ago where he says, I promise his feet will stay on the floor. And then immediately the <laughs> person he was talking about like lands on a car behind them. Yes. And it happens in this episode where he says, I promise I will never see Jana. I will never lay eyes on her again, I think is the exact mm-hmm. phrase. And then they immediately come upon like her dead body is the, yes. the sheet is taken back from her. And then, to be fair to them, he does say, oh, Jana, always with the tragic timing. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, um, but not but, untrue. <laughs> yeah. It was just, I, 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 I in rewatch, like first time mm-hmm. I didn't go like, oh, we did that joke before, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. as we're overthinking it, I, so, I was like, oh, okay. So that's a, that's a thing. That's cool. uh, so just, just, uh, we did mention this offline, but just speaking of repeated jokes, the scene, and I think it's in love handles. Yeah. It's in the next, I think it is. It's in, in the ne- next one where Lucifer and the goddess are talking uh, as Charlotte Richards and, uh, and Dan comes by and Charlotte Richards says, detective and he goes counselor <laughs> and, then, and then Lucifer goes douche <laughs> dances dick yeah and it is such an old joke it's an old joke and it it gets me every time and uh, I think I mentioned what I really want is a t-shirt you know those t-shirts that say you yeah, know four so and so and so and so and so. yeah I was yeah. like <laughs> Count- detective, detective and counselor, counselor and, douche and douche and dick and dick no <laughs> no like I feel like it would if people saw saw me out in public in that and they understood the reference, it would be like Landsman. Yeah, but like ninety five percent of them would not get the reference. Would just go, and would be like, horrified is happening. <laughs> no. <laughs> so anyway, so maybe on a mug or a book bark, so it's not quite so in your face. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yes, there are recycled jokes. When yes. you notice, and if you if you rewatch shows, um, you will notice the kinds of jokes that uh, some writers really seem to like. So yes, I get you there. Uh, can we talk about the fact that this episode is the first time that the show acknowledges that Lucifer has male lovers one on one, like right. it, outside of the context of a of a like a threesome or mm-hmm. or more or more some. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, and the show acknowledges it and they, and provides it with like, Chloe is a stand in for us as mm-hmm. that sort of, mo- as that moment of surprise when she's like, mm-hmm. well, I know this isn't about you anymore. Cause there's no way you slept with this guy. Right. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's where you're wrong. Poor Raj. So fit. Like, and, and Chloe's face, like, oh, not, my goodness. she's just shocked. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it's not even, I mean, and as they say in the dialogue, it's not because she thinks he shouldn't, can't be bisexual, but it just surprised her. 
right? Well, and it's, it's, it, he's, it means that he's um, now the only connection that the two dead people mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting also that she thinks of him as something specific. So she thinks of him as a womanizer. And so, and that's why this is like, it's such a shock to her. And it's not that she necessarily has any issue with, with the fact that he's bisexual or homosexuality or anything like that. It's just that like, I thought you were X and it turns out you're X plus Y plus Z. Right. Right. (laughs) I didn't realize. (laughs) Well, I'm going to rearrange some furniture in my brain for a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of rearranging brain furniture, doing this rewatch that that scene leads to the next of the mm-hmm. interviews of the 96 or however many. you're going to need a larger, you're going to need a larger notebook. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we see this interview and this montage, um, like all of these women and one man sort of saying like how amazing the sex was the best night of my life, the best night of my life, the best night of my life. We hear it over and over again. And it's like, sort of preening peacock in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's to the it's, point that it's even, I think this is a little mass masturbatory. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, though I was thinking, how would you say it in an, Eng- in an American accent? Mas- masturbatory, masturbatory. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the Brits apparently say masturbatory. Um, anyway. Uh, yes. And then we see them all saying, but there's no way I would kill for him. You know, like it was meaningless. It was just sex. Mm. And that worked in that scene, you know, mm-hmm. and then Dan sort mm-hmm. of, you see Dan almost, not almost Dan feeling sorry for him. Yeah. Right. But in reality, if this weren't a TV show, it, it like, it, if it was just a series of interviews, it would be, you know, it was great sex, but it didn't mean anything. It was great sex. It didn't mean anything. It was great mm-hmm. sex. It wouldn't be like, it was great. It was great. It was great. It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. Like, and so the way that it gets chopped up for the montage obviously it, you know, has an emotional punch, which the writers mm-hmm. wanted, which they couldn't get if it was more chronological. Yeah. You know, I, I will say that the, um, the cumulative effect of it didn't mean anything. So by the time they get to the last woman that their last person, uh, lover that they're, they're, uh, interviewing, I could see the cumulative effect of like, Whoa, this is wow. Of that. The problem is, I guess maybe in the very first one, the like the first couple three, I could see him responding like, <laughs> yeah, you know, but there's no room for the cumulative effect of it, of the positive side of it. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I, you know, that's, that's part of storytelling. You like, yeah. you have to take these shortcuts to, to make them work. Yeah, for sure. And it either doesn't or pretends not to understand what mm-hmm. Dan is talking about. And then. Lucifer later talks about Charlotte Richards mm-hmm. um, and Dan genuinely doesn't understand what he's talking mm-hmm. about and has that great line. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> that, that really weird stuff, man? That was ad-libbed by uh, Kelvin Al- Kevin Alejandro. Was it? Yeah. It was perfect. <laughs> it really was. The last thing I need is a step Dan. <laughs> you say some really weird, weird things, weird. man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like that's just mm, perfect line. It's pretty good. It was interesting when they were going through the montage of lovers the first time I watched it and they were saying, is there like anyone who would want to hurt someone? And they're like, oh, there's that woman like death eyes. And I assumed it was going to be the goddess the first time I watched it. Interesting. Interesting. Because I was just like, who else would it be? Like, it didn't occur to me that he'd be introducing another character, but instead they introduced the character who we all kind of are. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Cookie Price. Price. Yeah. I told someone recently, we were talking about like who, what fictional character we are. And I was like, I'm kind of like Dr. Linda, but honestly, I'm not Dr. Linda. I'm Sookie Price. (laughs) I even, I think that the, this, the full size, like life size cutout that she has on the wall behind her, not the wall of photos with the strings and stuff, but on the, another, she's got a life size cardboard cutout. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be the same one that's in my laundry room, which Full disclosure was a gift to me. I did not <laughs> purchase it myself, but I do have it tacked up to the wall in my laundry room. So I'm um, the only one who uses my laundry room. So it's <laughs> for me. <laughs> so I have this, this plan. I'm going to be going out on a book tour with my co-author. He's doing 40 cities. I'm only doing 12. I say only, cause that sounds like not that many compared to 40, but whatever. So because I can't be on the full tour, I got a cardboard cutout of myself and sent it to him to take on parts of the tour that I can't come on. And I'm intending on bringing it with me to Baltimore when I come to, to Baltimore for our tour. And so that I can like push it up against your full-size cardboard cutout. Push your cardboard cut it out against the and, and make kissy cutout. noises. Because and like and the thing that's is, a total that's that a total sucky price move right there. Move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean she, we have talked about Ellis's chest hair yes. and the manscaping and not. And she also noticed that there she are different has chest hair options, different chest hair options. Yes. And, and the way she said, like, Lucifer is like porn and stuffed crust pizza and my Hello Kitty blanket all rolled into one. <laughs> like, I don't have a Hello Kitty blanket, but I feel you. I feel yeah. you, girl. It's like my comfy pillow. <laughs> Like it's like comfort and porn and good pizza all rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, girl. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. So like it wouldn't be stuffed crust pizza for me, but it would there's like a comfort food. Yeah, know, like, like like really fresh sushi or you know, like yeah, some, some matzo sort of ball soup. Really amazing comfort food or like luxury <laughs> food. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or macaroni and cheese. Mm. Hey, that's appropriate because that's what the goddess tried to make cheesy noodles. Oh, you're right. Good point. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about, do you remember how much you loved macaroni and cheese so much when we were teenagers? I did. And you you probably still do. Well, it's one of the like four foods my daughter will eat. And so I'm a little tired of it at this point, to be honest. Fair. Totally fair. So I can recall when you were, I think you were 16 and I was 13 and you were driving in the Honda Civic and we, we'd gotten some food and there was a thing of macaroni and cheese and it was, it was just hot, like perfect. And you were like, I really want it while it's hot, but I'm driving and you were driving a stick shift. So like there was no possible way. So I'm like, I'm feeding you the macaroni and cheese. And trying really hard not to drop any because, you know, if it gets in between the console and the seat, you'll never see it again. I do not remember that at all, but it totally sounds in character. (laughs) I I have no memory of where we were going, but I I have a very vivid memory of feeding you the mac and cheese. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, so that's why I was thinking macaroni and cheese, because it is a comfort food that you need it so badly that you have your little sister feed it to you while you're driving. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say like, why couldn't we just pull over? But you obviously don't remember where we are. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So So, this is what we've been building to for Mm -hmm. all the way to the very end of this episode Mm -hmm. with the beach scene, which I have seen way more times than I have seen this entire episode. (laughs) 
I love the beach scene. The beach scene where she finds him on the beach because she tracks phone's GPS. Which, side note, what? <laughs> Repeat DP. Okay. Um, they just had to explain how she would find him. So. Yeah. And I like, I get that, but there it's you great. are would have been fine. <laughs> anyway. I'm all over for you. I'm looking all over for you. Yeah. So she finds him on the beach and then he explains why sh- he's not good enough for her. And in so doing, like completely endears himself to her. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. And like he names things about her that show that he's really paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. You pointed out offline um, the, the, the line about the crime scenes. Mm-hmm. That Every crime scene breaks your heart, though you'd never admit it. Yeah. Like no wonder she threw caution to the wind and gave yeah. him this, you know? Yeah. Well, and that, because that sort of thing, he named several things that I think people could notice relatively easily, like her, her boring middle name, like that, that, that doesn't take much to notice and that she always puts her child first. Um, you know, she's, she's very clearly a fiercely devoted mom, but then to say that every crime scene breaks your heart, though you would never admit it, that requires someone who really sees her and knows her because she tries to hide it right. um, based on just what he's saying there. And so like, all of it is sweet and adorable, but that I think is the one that really gets to the heart of why she, yeah, I why agree. she kisses him. Yeah, I agree because ultimately that's what we all want is to be seen, right? Yes, like to be yeah. truly seen, and especially from someone who is so self-centered, <laughs> yeah. right? Someone who's so wrapped up in his own stuff that that it's one one wants to be seen at all, mm-hmm. but that one one has been seen by someone who is in the habit of not seeing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think makes it all the more special. And it just makes sense. It just, Mm -hmm. it really like resonates that that's, that, that, that it had that effect on her that, Mm -hmm. you know, she was like, yeah, you're probably right. And gave him a kiss. Like it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I love like the first time I saw it, I was just like, that was kind of a disappointing looking kiss, but having rewatched it, several times um, more than I've watched the episode like you it, it's it actually is very realistic because it's like she surprises the hell out of him because yep. he's he's like looking down like so we're done and and he's like wait what what just happened I'm very confused <sighs> which it's leads sweet. into which leads the first into scene the, yes the first scene, first scene of, of love handles oh this the sexy dream it turns out to be a dream the sexy yes. dream scene <sighs> Mm-hmm. I've also seen that one many times, much more yep. than I've seen the episode. And Fair more enough, than the, more than the beach scene too. <laughs> uh, I wonder why. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, on this watch, I don't know that I paid attention enough in previous watches, but on this rewatch to prep for for today, um, I noted the song, which mm-hmm. I know it's a Florence and the Machine song from from their album Ceremonials, which I enjoyed that album, and it's not a particularly sexy song outside of this context yeah yeah but now talk about rearranging furniture (laughs) yeah (laughs) like I'm listening I'm listening to the album I was listening to the album yesterday and I was like oh now I have a Pavlovian response to that song (laughs) it's um it's called seven devils Mm -hmm. that's the name of the song anyway yeah yeah and one of the things that we noted I was going to talk about the consent in that 
sexy dream mm-hmm. scene. Is that where you were going? Yes. Yeah. Like something that's really cool. I mean, it's her dream, but her dream is a pretty good approximation of who Lucifer is. And we didn't, we don't know that. And we don't know that as we're watching. Right. Yeah. But when he says, detective, are you sure? And she says, oh, shut up. Right. That's really like, it's a really cool moment because it's making it clear the importance of ongoing and enthusiastic consent. Mm-hmm. And like the other thing I appreciate about it is that it shows that it doesn't have to slow things down or make things weird. Cause like I've had people say like, you know, well, that's the only issue I have with me too, is like, you know, asking for consent can really like ruin the mood and like, mm. but it doesn't have to. And like, I don't want someone to just sweep me up and kiss me. Like right. even my husband, depending on what, what's going on. I mean, not that I want, okay. I'm going to have to say this now because you might watch. Not that I want anyone else to kiss me either. But in any case, the like, just pausing for a moment and just being like, Hey, are you sure you want this can be hot? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's almost like, yeah, because own- when the, because when the answer is like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, agree. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really kind of cool about this moment is, and I meant to look it up and I forgot because we were talking about it offline. This episode, I believe, came out prior to the Me Too movement. It did. It was in January of 2017. It was January of 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Me Too was in, in the fall. I mean, it was late 2017. So I feel like a lot of media is trying harder to recognize the importance of consent post Me Too. The fact that they did this pre-Me Too, yay! Yeah. <laughs> Makes me and, happy. You know, what's what's really interesting to me too is that I think that the fact that it is a part of her dream, that in her mm-hmm. dream, he continues to get consent even while she is in some ways leading the mm-hmm. activities since she's on top. Um, well, and she she uh, broke his buttons pulling his shirt yeah. off, which again, yeah. cannot blame her. <laughs> yeah. That all feels in character. Like I think mm-hmm. Chloe is someone who likes control, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like it, it, that is all in character. And then the rest of the episode (laughs) and like, forgive me, Lucy fans who are big Lauren German fans. I am not, I am not sure though, if in this episode it's bad, it's the writing isn't quite right. Or if it's her delivery isn't quite right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but I feel like from the moment that she says, maybe this time will be different. Mm-hmm. there's just something not quite in character like yeah. her smacking his ass like no her mm-hmm. even her like ma- like friends you know sex with friends like not that she wouldn't hit on him mm-hmm. but she would just not hit on how. him in front of ella and yeah. she would not do it. i just yeah i and like maybe she was trying to be more like him because Maze mm-hmm. had said like she was trying to do what Maze said yeah, like that's, throw I mean, that's caution cool. to the wind and, and and just, you know, live a little, live right? a little, have yeah. a little fun, but that's not how she would have fun. That's not how she would flirt either. You know? I mean, I, I think her flirting would be like, if we jump ahead, 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 when she's teasing Michael mm-hmm. in the future, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's the way Chloe yeah. actually would flirt. Yeah. That yeah. sort of like very like normal things that she would normally say, but with additional suggestive mm-hmm. tweaks. Yeah. Yeah. The things that she says and does, she would never say and do. No. I mean, the one thing I could see is when she asks him if he's ever made out in the library, 
that one feels like okay i because she's just so straightforward she's someone yeah. she like she is just very straightforward and and like goes goes right to the heart of things um and uh and so like that's a straightforward kind of flirtation you know she sees someone making out in the in the library he's like i don't know i mean it may smell like socks but yeah, made out yeah i agree that one that one <laughs> that one a lot of character yeah I could maybe see sex with friends, except that it's in front of Ella, but the, like the giggle. Oh yeah. Like the over, the overlapping. Yeah. That, that does not feel like her at all. Mm -hmm. It seems like something she, she'd get frustrated that in like seeing her mom do or something. Although Mm -hmm. maybe that's like, she's trying to trying to be her mom. Yeah. I find that aspect of this episode hard to watch. Yeah. It's pretty cringy as the kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause we are old collectively. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's actually related to the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the thing that is totally in character and finally gets through to Lucifer is when Chloe sees him after she is not sure he's going to be able to survive the thing that he's going to do next. Mm -hmm. She sees him afterwards and he's okay. And Mm -hmm. she runs up and just embraces him and says, I'm so glad you're okay. And he says, this is real, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And he's just floating. He's on cloud Mm -hmm. nine because he has this real, this real relationship, this real connection mm-hmm. with Chloe. And then he falls off of that cloud when less than an hour later. Yeah. When the goddess and Mazikeen make it so that he discovers that Amenadiel caused the miracle that is mm-hmm. Chloe's birth. That was Chloe's granny birth. panties Decker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, like the thing that I'm that I think that I'm like really holding in, in the idea of choice and in this, like, it's not real. None of it's real reaction is that it's not a binary, mm-hmm. right? That's what the professor whose name I'm totally blanking on. Carlisle. Like, Carlisle made everything into a binary, mm-hmm. right? Like you save yourself or you save, you know, you save your work or you save the other person, like mm-hmm. as if life were that sort of either or and mm-hmm. and likewise with this it's real it's real or it's not real mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like there's no third way which obviously life is more complicated than that yeah yeah though in many ways it makes sense that a show about the devil would get stuck in either or thinking right because yeah. god and the devil are one of the primary binaries yeah of western culture yeah. Well, and you know, it's actually very human of uh, Lucifer to get in that binary thinking. Cause that's a, that's a very human thing to do. It's, like, well, it's very Western. I don't know if yes. it is human. It's cultural. Um, it is, it is, it is cultural. cultural for sure. Um, you're right. It is Western. I don't know if it's a, a I don't um, know that Eastern, nature. Yeah. that Eastern cultures or more earth-based ind- indigenous cultures have mm-hmm. that same sort of binary. We Western culture for sure does. Oh yeah. Yeah. No yeah. Question. yeah. That is a good point. In everything, point. right? Like ketchup mm-hmm. or mustard. Like what about mm-hmm. friggin' relish? Yeah. You know, like yeah. everything in Western culture well, is either or. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not sure even in the way that like some of the, um, some indigenous cultures don't have binaries for gender. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. are culturally other ways. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but Lucifer is based on a very Western, I mean, like. Oh yeah. The. The source material, the ultimate source material is the bedrock 
mm-hmm. of much of Western much culture. Of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is a very good point. And I, I'm, I now want to like dive into that because I do a lot of research and writing about cognitive biases in my day job. And so like, I think of binary thinking as kind of a cognitive bias, but cognitive biases are generally pretty much universal among humans. And so now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, oh, wait, is that universal or is that just kind of how we do things here in the West? (laughs) I mean, I'll be curious to hear what you find. I think it's a culture. I personally think it's a cultural thing um, in part because of like the the gender thing that Native American nations who had other genders. It was no, spirit, no big deal at all. Yeah. Spirit genders. Um, and, and also even thinking about storytelling, right. Yes. In the West, yeah. you must have conflict, but yeah. that's not true in the East. Yeah. You can so have, you can have just that, that sort of twist at the yeah. end. So yeah. anyway, I, I think it's worth, um, it's worth investigating. Mm. All yeah, right. No, that's fascinating. We you, have to wrap have, this up because we have Fluff. overthunk it enough. We have, and I do have one, enough and we both have places to be. We got places to be, but I do have one fluff because self-worth comes from within bitches. (laughs) That is my new, I think that we should close off every episode that way from now on. (laughs) Well, that, and I also like, I'm a therapist and being taken for granted is in the job job description. description. (laughs) (laughs) Want me to get this friend of yours? (laughs) All right, y'all, you heard it here first. Self-worth comes from within bitches. Bitches. (laughs) Oh, and I got to slut this up. That's the other line. I, I, when next time I need to go get dressed up, instead of saying, I'm going to go put my face on, I'm going to go make myself beautiful. I am going to say, I got to go slut this up. And then I'll probably appear in a pantsuit because that is how I get dressed up now that I am a woman in my (laughs) forties. That's just how I roll. That's how I roll bitches. (laughs) All right, y'all. Catch you later. See you next week. Our theme song is Feral Angel Waltz by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons, by Attribution 4.0 License. Visit the show notes for the URL. I am an artificially generated voice, powered by Narrakeet.com. Lucifer, is a Warner Brothers production that first aired on Fox and then Netflix. Tracy and Emily are not affiliated with Fox, Netflix, nor WB. If you liked this episode, subscribe to Keep Overthinking with them, and visit the show notes for other ways to connect.